Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Welcome to those of you that are online with us. It's nice to have you as well. All of you here. Still haven't figured this out. I was told that my feet are supposed to run and my nose is supposed to smell. But right now. I think I was created backwards. My grandchildren would love that one. It's one of the many sick things that I. <laughs> so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the gift of life and salvation which is ours through you in Jesus Christ our Lord. We are thankful for your word which is a light to our feet and light to our paths. We are thankful for the church where we can gather together to be uh, the people of God in worship so that we can be empowered to serve you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together around your word that we might grow in our faith and grow in your grace that we with all joy in our hearts might uh, touch the lives of others with that precious gospel. Bless us in our study today through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I heard there was some concern that we were going to do Psalm 23 again. All right? Times two. Yeah. Somebody wondered where we got that, but I don't know if you know how we how we determine uh, what we do in Bible studies, but we, we have a group that gets together and we talk about it. Debbie's part of that, right? And when we started talking about this, uh, Psalm 23 came up, and then I was told, well, you have the next Sunday, so what do you want to do? So I said, 23 times 2. So that's how it got there. And that's 46. So that's how we got there. So... For those of you who are worried that we're going to do 23 again, no. So, Psalm 46. If you open up your Bibles that are there, I think it's appropriate that we read it first. Uh, And uh, then we'll we'll delve into it a little bit. Uh, We might have different translations. I don't know. (coughs) What's that translation in this Bible? Is that the NIV? Yeah, ESV. Oh, ESV. ESV. Oh, okay. NIV is a lot. I have NIV. This should be fun. All right? I have the BVD version or something like that. No, I have the Let's try it. See how this, see how this, how this sounds, all right? Psalm 46, together. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the rain of days. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth. 
He makes wars cease in the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He still and knows that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Is um, in my way of thinking, is perhaps the second most familiar psalm of all psalms, second to Psalm 23. All right, especially if we are in Lutheran surroundings. All right, because this was the psalm that that uh, Luther used as the foundation point for the hymn "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." All right, and I perhaps you've talked about this in the other classes, but the reality is. The Psalms were the songbook of the early church. They're, they're, they were uh, set to be able to be spoken as well as sung. Right? Uh, how many of you went to churches where they used the Psalm every Sunday that they chanted? Right? That's part of our liturgy in actuality if we follow the liturgy as it was. And technically, perhaps people don't realize, but Every Sunday, there were three psalms that were appointed for the day. If we did one, that was a lot. Uh, I, I was never a big lover of doing that, and I regret that now, right? Because we, we didn't put enough emphasis on the, the, the message that the psalms offered to us for our daily journey. So Psalm 46 is what they call an eschatological hymn. Anybody know what that? <coughs> to quote Luther, can you spell that? What does this mean? End of times. End times. Yeah, yeah. And we all face the end times of our earthly life, but what God is saying to us is that that ain't the end. All right, that's not the end. It's the end of a chapter in our life and the beginning of eternity for our lives. So this psalm offers to us. Uh, uh, a lot of hope, all right, and especially in a world that we live in today. But guess what? Has it changed much? In, in many ways, no. You know, in many ways, no. We might say, well, it's a little different than when we, all of us in this room were growing up, right? Guess what? Your parents said the same thing, right? And their parents said the same thing, and. Each generation goes through every one of these challenges in our life. And that's why this psalm and the very beginning of the psalm is so important. If we don't hear anything else, the first verse. God is our what? Strength. A very present help, an ever-present help in time of trouble. If you don't have any other verse, that's the meaningful one, right? Now, the other ones are meaningful, but that's it. What, what it offers in an eschatological or hopeful way is that, uh, hey, we're not going through this by, on our own, right? The Lord of hosts is what? With us, right? Do we always remember that? Probably not. So how would you then say, 
that God is your refuge? How would you say that God is your strength? Think about that. Now speak about it. Yeah, that's it. No, I just think you know, there's a plan. As bad as things may be now, and I won't see where I say that. I say yeah. that. But there is there's a plan. You look back, you see how things were in the past, and you can see God's presence. So you just have to open trust and believe that there's a plan for where we're all to be headed. Okay. How good were the good old days? <laughs> in memory. In our memory they are, you know. And and they were good, all right? But can these days be good too? Yeah. I mean we're we're how many of you have children? Right? Yeah. Do you ever think you'd get past those difficult times of living them growing up? And now we sit back and we say, Wow, where did that time go? You know, little kids, little things, bigger kids, bigger things. We're the biggest kids, our kids look at us and say, Mom and Dad, you're the problem. <laughs> they probably don't say that in your families. She's good. Right? But, but do we, in our own daily journey of life, and, and this is a struggle you know, that pastors have too, to remember that God is there as our refuge. To remember that God is our strength, right? That that the Lord of hosts, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the whole list, He's with us, He's present with us in, in the journey of life that we have, all right? Uh, that the God of Jacob is our refuge. Where where did the where did the patriarchs turn to? They had turned to God, right? This pre-Jesus time. But God was there. Well, Jesus was there too, he just wasn't visible. Alright? But think about the life that the people of Israel had from the very beginning. Think you would want to have done that? <clears throat> would have been pretty tough. Alright? But there was this hope that, hey, that God is our refuge, alright? He's with us in this, alright? Um, and and this psalm was was uh thought to be written in the post-exilic period after the people were exiled into Babylon and then they were hopefully coming back and they did come back think about the life they were having right I mean we lived all those years in, in, in New York and then, then we've been exiled to Virginia thank <laughs> <laughs> <And> God <laughs> for us or I always used to say man I had those great growing up years in Wisconsin that I spent the next 40 years in New York. Wow. That was, that was exciting, right? But, but in all of our lives, you know, we go through those up and down periods, don't we? Right? But who's with us? This is what the psalmist is saying. God's with you guys. He's got you. His arms are around you. Did you ever feel that? The presence of God... And it comes through whom? The Spirit. The Spirit and the people that God puts in your life at those different times. Right? Uh, just two weeks ago, we, we drove to New York. It, when I first retired, we 
drove to New York and other places many times to do weddings. You know, these kids that I baptized, confirmed, blah, blah, blah. Now we go to New York to do funerals. <laughs> it says, this is not as much fun, I gotta tell you. Except it is. Except it is. Because the memories, and then you're, 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 you're in, encouraging the family to realize that the new life has begun for a loved one. Our 91-year-old grandma, who used to make hamburgers on Saturday nights for our kids when they were young. New life, right? He offers us that, that to us. That's our refuge. That's our strength. And, and that's why, we, why it's so important in the church that we understand that we look at texts like this that, hey, in the midst of whatever we're going through, and if you think of the people of Israel in the, in the exilic or post-exilic period when they were coming back, what were they coming back to? Some destruction and trying to rebuild a whole new life. Right? But it wasn't easy on, on, the, on the first go-round, even before that, either for them. So, here's that hope. All right? And, and his words of encouragement to us, all right? And this, the first three verses are, are what they call the first chapter, or in, in biblical terminology, the strophe, right? It means like a, a verse or a chapter. So this particular psalm has three strophes, right? Verses one through three is the first one, all right? Pastor, spell that. S-T-R-O-P-H-E. Like, can, can I get this? I'll put it up here. Yeah, touch it again a couple times. <laughs> the Morse code on it. There you go. <laughs> I'm a master. <laughs> oh, and they got the right color. Trophy. Could be, could be a term on it. Trophy. Right? It means chapter. Like a chapter. So in, in this one, it's verses 1 through 3, 4 through 7, and. Is it 8? 8 through 11. 8 through 11, yeah. Yeah, 8 through 11. So three, three uh, strophes, or three chapters, all right? Uh, what does Selah mean? That's what the, it says in here. Praise. At the end of each strophe. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I thought it meant pause. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both, I think. Like, well, and of course, yeah. some, some say those chapters or stanzas mm -hmm. verse, and yeah, this is telling people where to pause. Where to pause, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the other part of this one is that if you if you go to uh, the end of verse the end of um, uh, verse seven, you'll notice that verse seven and verse eleven are the same. So that's a, a, a response. There is some thought that there, there also was a verse like that after verse three but that was eliminated in the text, which could happen when you think about it, all right? So it, it's a response, all right? Um, 
So in the first one, God, the refuge of his people, he, it's, it's like he's saying he's, he's a strong tower for us to, to hold on to. Right? Um, we, we don't have to fear. Anybody here never fear anything? <laughs> Put your hands down. Yeah. Fear is a part of our life, isn't it? We fear a lot of different things. Well, where is that fear going to get us? Anxious. Anxious? It's not going to help us, but it's a real emotion in our life. All right? And what the psalmist is saying to us, what it, 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 tradition says it's David, and we don't know that for sure, but it doesn't, it's God, all right? What, what he's saying is, hey, God is our strong tower. There's someone there that we can hold on to, all right? We, we don't have to fear because God doesn't walk away from us. We should fear if what, what happens? We walk away from God. And I think that's what people do, all right? I think that's what I do sometimes, all right? God, hey, what's going on? And I, I got to look at it. And, and then you begin to realize, well, that's not the answer, all right? All right? So, uh, someone pick up Romans 8, uh, verses 37 to 39. Somebody read that for us, please. Romans. Romans, verses 37 to 39. Romans 8, 37? Correct. Thanks. Uh, 8, 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Does that help? <coughs> right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can separate ourselves. Alright? And we do that sometimes. But what? God's not saying, Man, holy, I don't want you in. <laughs> That's not in God's vocabulary. Alright? Why? Why is that true? Because, yeah. We're his kids. All right? How many of you have families? <laughs> and your kids, just like Kevin and my kids, they always did ex exactly what you expected and wanted them to do, right? <laughs> just like you did, right? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we got that all right, don't we? No. All right? It, it, we're kind of like the people of Israel. Right? And this goes... And, and I think this is true in the world today. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. That's biblical. That's what the Bible says. People were doing what was right in their own eyes. So you, you got all agree with me on that. No. But we are capable of doing what is right in our own eyes. Eyes because of what? Because God gave us the power to think and reason. Doesn't make it right. Right? Doesn't make it right. But it's the reality of how we live out our lives. How many of you have done everything right? Thank you for not raising your hand. Right? 
I, I had a person come to my office one time and say to me, Pastor, I don't sin anymore. <laughs> that person was serious. All right? That person was serious. And I went, oh, how did you get there? <laughs> and, and they began to tell me, and I thought, that's a nice rationalization of it. I wanted to say to the person, I, I don't sin any less either. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. <laughs> that was the temptation. Right? But sometimes we get in that mode, all right, and, and that was part of the problem with the people of Israel post-exile. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Done. Somewhere in Luther, in the small catechism, says to something like that, that check to see if you're still alive. I think he had Could words be. like that. So I think it was something yeah. about if you don't need communion, which is this, I don't sin anymore, mm -hmm. check to see if you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like him. That, that sounds check like Luther. If you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was very down to earth about a lot of things. Yeah, he, he was in the ground, right? Yeah, so so here we are in uh, you know God is with us. See, and that's that's the message of that song. Right? At least the first one, right? The first part of it. Uh, and we don't have to fear, but fear is an emotion, it's a feeling in our lives, and it's real. It's real. Uh, and then, with the Lord of creation in our midst, they were more than equal to the worst imaginable catastrophe in the physical world. You know, God says, hey, I'm going to take care of you. Right? Uh, being a resident of, of New York, right outside of the city, on 9-11. Right? You know, that day of infamy is in my head, in my life. And it will never, I can tell you exactly where I was, what I was doing, and everything when I got a call from my son in Alabama. And he said, Dad, what happened? You know what happened in New York? He knew before I did. So immediately, I go into this thing. Who of our church, the people I know, works in the world? And we had some people. Yeah. Right? We had some people. And all of a sudden, you know, you could you could feel the fear. You could feel the trepidation in the lives of people. Right? And and I knew some people, right? And I know people now who are dying because of what they did after. Right? But God comes to us and he says, you know. I'll take care of that, even with the worst imaginable catastrophes that the world can give us. He says, I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. Come to me. And I hope we, as the people of God, hear that and live that. I always say that the greatest prayer can be said in three words. Lord, help me. Help me. I can't do it on my own. But we try to, don't we? And, and sometimes, you know, we talk about this rugged individualism or all the things in the world that you're just 
be strong. Well, yeah, you got to be strong, but be strong, trusting God. And let me tell you, pastors aren't always the strongest with that either at times. All right? Guess what? We're just like you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even more sinful. Right? At times. But God says, hey, the worst things that we can imagine, put yourself back in the words of the psalmist. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my strength. That's, that's the message here, all right? In that post-exilic world. What's going to happen to Israel? We're, you know, God brings us back, but now what's going to happen to us? Right? And you think about that in, in the life of the people of Israel, their comings and goings, right? You think you would have wanted to spend all those years in, in Egypt as slaves? Probably not. You would think they would have been pretty happy to get out of there and all that. <laughs> How come it took them so darn long to get from there 250 miles? <laughs> because some of it was because they were an ordinary people. Right? What did Pogo used to say? You, this generation understands Pogo, right? <laughs> we have met the enemy and it is us. Yes. All right? <laughs> it was themselves. It's us, too. So that first Strophe, that first chapter, says, hey, folks, God is your refuge and strength. You've got to trust Him. You've got to have faith. So, in, in the earliest text, there is some feeling that there should have been uh, these words at the end of that, all right, which are reflected in verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right? For some reason, they weren't there. Uh, Deb? You're probably getting to this, so if you are, you just make me be quiet, but this is this whole thing was the um, theme of the National Youth Gathering that our kids just got back from. Yeah. Real, present God. Those right. words just kept flashing yep. on the screen. Real, present this is one of the verses. Yeah. And their verse was what this refrain, the God, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Over and over that was woven throughout that youth yeah. gathering. And so our kids have learned this past week that God really is real and he is present and it's present tense. So where the heck is Carl? <laughs> you know who Carl is? Where is he? He's you. He's everywhere. He's you. All right, you could call you Charlene instead of Carl, but he is you. All right, and God is with us. He's a present God. All right, uh, in our Lutheran traditions and many other traditions. The presence of God in baptism, when you're marked with the sign of the cross, right, is a reminder to us. That's why in the old traditions of the of the of the church, the Roman church, even, in the morning begin your day by making the sign of the cross in remembrance of your baptism. Why not? Right? Oh, it's true Catholic. Well, we are Catholics. Little cities, of course, not big cities, all right. But hey, what God is saying to us is. I'm with you. I'm present with you. Right? 
that's exactly what these kids were learning. And, and with all the different gifts and talents that every one of us has, in the eyes of God, what? We're all precious. Right? We, we, used, we, used, we sang that as children, didn't we? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Who are the little children? It's us, all right? You know, we add these neurons into our lives, but we're still ch children of God. We're all precious in his sight. I always like, and I've said this over and over, I always like to think in, in God's heavenly kingdom where God is, he's got a dresser and my picture's on that dresser. <laughs> he loves me, right? right don't, don't you have pictures of your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and all that? Yeah. They mean something. Well, that's what, that's what God says about us. Right? He looks and says, Oh, Bill. I love Bill. <laughs> what? In the picture. Yeah. I love him. That's what the psalm is leading us to. All right? Uh, so, then we get to chapter 2. Verses 4 to 7. Let's, let's take a look at those. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. That's the verse. All right? What do you get from that? There were, by the way, there are no rivers in Jerusalem. The holy city. But there was a river in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Who was it? It's God. All right? The river is the life giving fountain of God's presence in the midst of the lives of the people of God, in the midst of our lives. Right? We are the holy habitation of the Most High God. He resides within us, spiritually speaking. That's the same river that's in Revelation at the end. It probably is. Yeah, yeah. The only the only water. Have any of you been to Jerusalem? What, do you remember the water that's there? The pool of Siloam. That's it. You know, if you if you see and, and think in terms of of where where was the presence of God in Jerusalem in the temple, which is on the mount, the highest point. Right? Did any of you? Visit Jerusalem while you're still able to go there? Yeah. You know, you can't go there anymore. You cannot go to the Temple Mount. Yeah, you used to. I went to the Temple Mount. I went into the mosque that's there. Right? You could do that. But that's, how many years ago was that? A long time ago. Right? Yeah. You can touch the outside wall of the Temple, but that's not the Mount. You can't go to the Mount. Unless you're what? Muslim. Muslim. No. Right. So, think in terms of this, this holy city, all right, but does that stop God from being present there? No. If you remember, the city's broken up into quarters, all right? There's the, 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 the Christian quarter, the Orthodox quarter, the Jewish quarter, and the Muslim quarter. And Muslims ended up with the Temple Mount, all right? We shouldn't fear that, by the way. Because the temple of God is where? Wherever God is. 
in, in the essence, right? We're the temple of God, right? He resides within us. And that's where he's going, all right? Um, so, but the life-giving presence of God is in the midst of us, all right? He resides within us, all right? Uh, the name of the city is the Lord is there, right? And in essence, where when danger threatens, what? The Lord's with us, right? He's present with us. And he's sufficient for us. Right? We don't, in essence, need anything more. That's not what our society teaches us, right? What is it? Uh, he who has the most toys wins? False. Right? He who has the most toys would be told by their children, you've got to clean out before you get too old to do it. <laughs> That's what it is. Right? You know? All of our kids were there. They looked at my at my room with all my books, and a couple of them said to me, "Dad, what are you going to do with all these?" Didn't you? <laughs> I gave one. I gave a whole set to my daughter-in-law, who teaches theology. She was she was happy to pick it up with that, <laughs> and I was happy to give it to her. Right? But hey, God is a sufficient one for us. That's what the psalmist is saying. Do you believe that? Do we live that? That's a rhetorical question for you, by the way. That's the challenge. And the psalmist is trying to work us up to understand, hey, we don't go on this journey by ourselves. We got partners. We have our life partners and we got our eternal partner. I'll take them both, as long as I can have both. And the reality is, and, and I think this is something that the church has to, we, we need to always get better, and I think King of Glory is, we're each other's partners in this too. How important is that? Who are the people you could call on? Are there people, you know, from our church that you could call on in time of need? Hopefully there are. I had a person call me the other day, they asked, can you help to get me or get someone to get me to a doctor. Yeah, and I'm not even the pastor here. You know, I'm not just one of many. All right, but all of a sudden, you know, you 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 build this relationship or something with people, and and that's what the church is all about. I I keep using the the, the imagery. If you if you look at the church, what's the the word church? What's the center of that? You are. You take out the you are in the middle of church, and what do we have? We have a ch ch. You put yourself, you are in the midst of it, then we have church. Church without people is not church. Right? It can be a building, but it's not church. It's not church. And that's what I think that's what the sun is. God is sufficient for us, and God equips people to be a part of that. Always trusting in God as our rescue and strength. Then, the third stanza, verses 8 to 11, is points out to us. Let somebody read those again, just so that we get those. Verses 8 to 11. Linda, you got them? 
Yes. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is out of fortress. Okay. A repetition of verse 7, right? Right? That, that, that choral type of thing. Uh, and, and he's saying, hey, take a look at the works of the Lord. There are desolations too. But in, in reality, if we look at the works of the Lord, isn't it pretty awesome? Isn't it a pretty awesome world that we live in? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. some of you are, are big travelers, right? Think of some of the most awesome things you've seen. You guys do trailer road, right? <laughs> Think of some of those awesome things you've seen. You, and and I, you know, I go to these places and I say, man, no man could have thought of this one. I, I stood at the rim of the Grand Canyon. And I looked there and I said, how does that happen? And they see the hand of God scooping that up there. You know, and, and I haven't looked at you know, the, the canyon in, 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 in New York City. That's an amazing thing. It's buildings, and it's, but it's a canyon, right? Or, or the waters, or, you know, you, you, you get out on some of the calm waters of the, of the northern lakes of Wisconsin. <laughs> or you sit in Camp Randall Stadium on a football game or <laughs> See, those are all works of the Lord, though, aren't they? They're all works of the Lord. And we take it for granted, but they're gifts that God gives to us. All right? So, even in terms of you know, our, our, our church, do we see this as a gift that God has given to us in our life? It's not perfect, but it's a place of refuge and strength. Oh! It's a place of refuge and strength. That's what the psalmist is saying to us. You have to understand that, all right? Uh, and that God, in, in essence, is the sovereign of the whole world. Right? He's the king. He's the one who loves us all. We're precious, right? So, when, when we look at these, these verses again, all right, Take a look. Yeah, there's desolations that have come to the earth. But he also makes what? War cease. What are wars a product of? People. Man's inhumanity to man. Alright? Man wanting power. Now, nobody wants power, right? No, people want it. They want to be able to... How healthy is that? God says, love them. Right? Is there a need for law and order and all those kinds of things in our world? Absolutely. But what do they, what do they say? Power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts. Machiavelli. Yeah. Machiavelli. And, and, and that there's truth in this. Right? But the power of God is there for what purpose? To show us what it means to love and to forgive that's the essence of it. You know, out of God's love for us, he forgives us. Question, question on verse 10. Now, we take great strength in that, that uh, God will be exalted among 
all the nations, which includes us, and said, we're Christians in that. How does a rabbi teach that from Psalms? Does he say nations? Yeah, as long as they're Jewish, it'd be fine. You know, I would hope we get beyond that. Does God earnestly desire that all would come to know the love of Jesus? Yes. It is not our job to judge how God will deal with people. It is our job to proclaim. Right? So, let God deal with that. God will, in the end, be the one. But we need to reflect the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, into the, into the world. For those who don't know Jesus, but does Jesus know who they are? Yeah. See, if, if we believe that he's an all-knowing, God, right? I, I think there's that there's this there's this fine line between universalism and the love of God too, right? Uh, God earnestly desires that all would come to know Him. God can't do anything else but that, can He? Why? Because He's love. Are we going to understand this from an intellectual point of view? No. Do we believe in grace and mercy? and faith, and love. Hopefully we do. Deb, you had a question? Oh, it's not important. I, I was just thinking about Abraham, because that was what God said to him. You'll be um, the father of all nations, and through you, all the world will be blessed. So, wasn't that God's original sure. intention? Yeah. And then God knew he would have to do something extraordinary. All right? in a sacrificial sort of way. My hunch is, again, I'm, I'm only an old retired pastor. God knew right from the very beginning, as soon as he gave people the power to think and reason, he, I, I almost want to say God went like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> but that is the heart of God, all right? See, isn't the beauty, and I think this is one of my hardest things dealing with the world in which we live now. We forget that God says we're supposed to love one another and we treat one another like anything goes. And I'm saying that's on all sides of the, the issues. Alright? We've lost the heart that God has put into us to love people. Not based upon what they look like, how they sound, whatever but the fact that they are people of God. Um, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. He's responsible for them all. But, also people have been given the right to make decisions. How good do we do with that? <laughs> now, see, I look over here and I see Tom, and I thought, well, Tom has always made all the right decisions. That's my buddy, all right? Tony, too, same way. These two yellow sweater guys, what else? Right? They make all the right decisions. And you would say, no, I haven't, right? Right. It's true. Right? No matter how I would see it, we know the truth. All right? Sin tends to separate us from one another. All right? Gets in the way in our lives. Does that ever, ha does that ever happen in families? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I thank God every day that the five siblings, I have four, 
Two brothers and two sisters. Right? We all got along famously. Right? We did. Yeah. And we did. And and we liked each other's spouses. And we liked our, our nieces and nephews and all that. I don't see that in a lot of families. Right? To me, that's sad. What people are missing in that. I I served a congregation where we didn't have any blow-ups. The longest meeting we ever had for major things was 40 minutes to, to approve a, a $2 million thing. I mean, that's small in comparison here. But, but the reality is we loved each other. Did we always agree? No. No. But we loved each other. And, and I think that's the challenge the world has. We're not always going to agree. But God says we've got to love them. Let me tell you what a trip what a trip it is at Lackey Clinic sometimes with some of the patients. Right? I still love them. Right? We might disagree on lots of things and what they think they need and what they do need. You know, I, I give these people credit that we, we deal with them medically. I just deal with them spiritually. But how that happens. So, you know, God what what is ultimately saying at the end of the second verse is God is sufficient for us. Right? And then, right, the death and destruction of the enemies is God's final work. And, and I love what he says in verse 10. Be still. And what? I am God. Be still. He's going to be exalted in the nations, in the earth. Right? Because he's God, right? And then he comes back with, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Is God your fortress? That's what the psalmist is asking us to consider. John? I think it's significant that God refers to himself as a fortress and not as a weapon. Mm -hmm. You use a weapon to defend yourself. A fortress, you're passive. You just go into it, and the fortress does whatever it's going to do, right? You're passive. You depend upon it. A weapon is something you wield against whatever the problem is. And we tend to try to pick up the fortress and use it for a weapon. We do that to yeah. God. Yeah. But the be still is, I'm a fortress. I'm not a sword. I'm not a nuclear weapon. I'm not something you control. Just... Let me protect you. But that's hard for man because God gave us the ability to think and reason, and we do want to control. Yes. Right, pastors, we're the worst about that. We want to control what happens there on Sunday morning. (laughs) We do. Because we feel that's what our responsibility is. It's not always easy to let go. Right? And yet that's what God has. Hey, let me lead you. So one last thing, I got to leave here because they're honoring Kathy for putting up with me for forty-five years. <laughs> All right. This I had never heard this before, and I think this is a great little thing. There's a wonderful legendary story that exists about Psalm 46. According to the tale, the translators of the King James version, which we all grew up with that, right, mm-hmm. until they started to know the other ones, who worked in 1604 through 1611 CE, common era, mm-hmm. 
were determined to arrive at the best possible English translation of the biblical text. When they considered the translation of the poetic material of the Old Testament, especially the book of Psalms, they felt the best choice for a translator was none other than England's own poet and playwright of the time. Shakespeare. 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 I didn't know this, right? Have you ever heard this? And so they prevailed upon him to work with them in rendering the songs into good English. Shakespeare agreed and undertook the task. One by one, the songs were transformed from their enigmatic Hebrew and Latin predecessors to the lively English of Shakespeare's day. Serendipitously, I love that word, Shakespeare arrived at the translation of Psalm 46 on the day of his 46th birthday. Not one to let a good opportunity pass, Shakespeare decided to leave his mark on the Psalter to mark the occasion. The words cooperated, and when readers examined the King James translation of Psalm 46, which I did, I still have my Thompson Chain reference Bible, King James. All right, they discovered an interesting phenomenon. The 46th word from the beginning of the text of Psalm 46 is shake. <laughs> Though the mountains shake. The 46th word from the end of the text of Psalm 46 is spear. He cutteth the spear in sunder. An enduring tribute to the 46th birthday of England's great poet laureate. Thus, according to the legend, legend, Shakespeare, the master English poet of the 16th and 17th centuries, lent his immeasurable talent to the English Bible translation that was standard for the English Protestant Church for over 300 years. So guess what I had to do? I had to go back and pick yeah. this up and read it. Count. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Now, is it true? It's a legend. I don't know if it's true. But the reality is, hey, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. So um, I, I like to leave you with this. He's still... I know that he's got. Know that he's a refuge and strength. You can always go. He's always there. He's got the biggest ears to listen, the biggest heart to love, and the biggest arms that he stretched out on the cross at Calvary to enfold you. And he knows who you are. He loves you for who you are. Not because you're perfect. Not because you've done everything right but because he calls you what? Child of God. I think the only better thing you could call me would be a grandchild of God. I don't know about you, but my kids are great, but my grandchildren are much better. Questions, thoughts? we got two minutes. I can give you the Google on Sila. On Sila. So Sila is defined as... The Hebrew word that has been found at the ending of verses and psalms and has been interpreted as an instruction, calling for a break in the singing of the psalm, or it may mean, quote, forever. An example of Selah is seeing the term used 71 times in the psalms in the Hebrew Bible. Thankfully. If you want to also do an interesting thing, Google Psalm 46 and ask for the choral pieces that have been uh, done on Psalm 46. It's amazing. 
I mean, there's tens of them. I was sitting there listening to them. That's exactly what I was thinking of, because we did sing one um, a couple years ago, I guess, when Mim was still uh, the choir director. And I can still, you know, I can sing it in my head. It was, uh, it was yep. amazing. And it's pretty much the words. Yes. Uh, God is our refuse and strength, and ever-present help and trouble. But the mountains fall, and the da-da-da-da. And it was a real lively thing, yep. but it was yeah. spurred. It's tremendous uh, it is on, breadth of yeah. the different uh, ways of interpreting it, yeah. see. So uh, the Psalms, you can do a lot with the Psalms. And they are great. I hope you learned something today. All right. Um, and uh, I don't know who's up next. Do we change from Pastor Peter. Oh, yes. Oh. Um, I can't say that word. Phil. Phil. Rhyming songs. Imprecatory sound. Yes. Imprecatory. Good word. Oh, imprecatory. You guys have you have such a, a, a wide variety of characters here. Let's close with this. Cast. Cast. Thank you. Gracious Lord, you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in our trouble. Open our ears and our hearts and our minds and our mouths, O oh Lord, to offer praise and thanks to you, to listen to you, the one who has listened to our needs. Be with us in our journey of faith and life. Strengthen us in that and guide us to be a reflection of the love of Jesus in the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Take the rest of the day off. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.